You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul begins his discussion of Genesis chapter 17, noting the significance of name changes in the Bible. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. We are on Genesis 17. Obviously, it's a very important chapter. We heard of covenant before with Noah, but we didn't hear about circumcision, the covenant of circumcision. And that's what chapter 7 is dealing with. So let's go over the text as we have been doing until now. When Abraham was 90 years old, again we are still in the cycle of Abraham, but then at one point we have the change of name, which is very important, into Abraham. So when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Very important point that I had not noticed until I was writing the rise of scripture, that the text begins with the Lord Yahweh, who presents himself as God, Almighty, very important expression. In Hebrew, it is El Shaddai, the one who controls everything. But the point I would like to make that starting with verse 1b, the second part of verse 1, it is only God that is in the scene. The Lord disappears. And that, again, is something very important in Scripture. You know, people say there is no difference. There is. God is technically the deity of everybody and of the universe. Let's go back. In Genesis 1, we have only God. In Genesis 2 and 3, we have the Lord God. And then we have the split between the two. Another example I give is the names of the prophets. You know, you have Isaiah, Jeremiah from Yahoo, and then suddenly we have Ezekiel. And we all know that Ezekiel is the prophet that spoke from amidst the Gentilic world and addressed everybody. The people were scattered among the nations. So it's very important to keep this in mind, especially in view of the fact that it is unexpected that suddenly God would make a covenant, specific covenant, but then it is not only with the children of the house, but also with the strangers and the slaves of the house. Father Mark, just to make you tickle a little bit, we are already in Paul, or Paul was reading correctly his Old Testament. Very important. I wanted to make that point right from the beginning so we do not have to get back to it. And this God Almighty, 
says something very important. Walk before me and be blameless. That reminds us of Noah. Now, Noah walked before the Lord and he was blameless. Here we have an imperative. God is pressuring Abram and putting a condition on him. And this is what people miss, that somehow Abraham believed and everything went fine. No, we shall hear how he executed the statutes of God. And this will be repeated with Isaac, that the promise functions towards Isaac because Abraham walked before God by fulfilling his statutes. So that is very important, and let me make the jump to the New Testament. That's why in Galatians, Paul at the end reminds everybody that when the Spirit comes, he comes with the law, the full law, as Ezekiel says, that people have to do the will of God. As I put it time and again, salvation is free of charge, but with the charge that we do the will of God. And the we at that point is everybody. So walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you. So we have a covenant that reminds us of Noah, again, walking, being blameless and the covenant, and will multiply, we are you exceedingly. It's very interesting that this verb is used here because the attentive hearer will remember that that was the problem at the beginning of Genesis 6 when things went bad, that people, instead of multiplying as God wanted them to do in Genesis 1, they became arrogant, they became powerful. So it's a play on the verb rab, to grow and to multiply my hearers are invited to review what I said on Genesis 6. So the connection is very close here. So we have, if you like, a push ahead with Abram compared to Noah. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, notice how God said, takes over. At the beginning, we hear that Yahweh presents himself as God, but now it is God that speaks. Yahweh is nowhere to be found in the rest of the chapter. Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Very important, that word, Hamon Goyim which will appear in the book of Song of Songs, which I read as an invitation for Solomon to accept in the city of God, the outsiders. So the terminology is very interesting. Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. 
you see how the covenant with Abram goes in the same direction as the covenant of Noah, whose three sons were the fathers of all nations. So the nations are already there from the beginning. We heard about them under the term of families in Genesis 2.12, when God spoke to Abraham that he will be a blessing to all nations. And that we have really to keep in mind. Otherwise, Paul would sound as though he just landed from heaven, you know, with something totally new, which is not true. And with this comes the change of name. Very important, we said enough about the importance of the change of name. The interesting thing is that the original name is pompous, and the second name is belittling. Abram in Hebrew means a great father, a powerful father, a high father. That's the same word, Ram, that is used of God in Isaiah 6. And the second one, Abraham, is the father of the weakling lamb. We have this word still in Arabic, Ruhum, Abraham. And scholars try to guess things about it. It doesn't make sense. Let me give the example that we all know, Saul and Paul. Saul is majestic, powerful. Paulus in Latin is the little one. So technically God belittles. Let's go back. You have Yahweh, then he presents himself as El Shaddai, and everybody has to be lowered before him, as we hear in Isaiah 2 and Ezekiel all over the place. Now, this is important due to the fact that later the same thing will happen to Sarah. We'll get to it when we get to that point, and I shall show you that the switch of names is unto functionality. Okay, so here Abraham is going to be the father of everyone, everyone. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Notice the repetition. And you will see the funny thing. Abram should be the father of the multitude of nations. <laughs> but this happens through the change of name. Let's remember the shepherd of Ezekiel 34. God takes care of all his flock. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Very interesting. That's a reminder of the multiplication and the fruitfulness of chapter 1. It is as though we have a Genesis 1 that applies to all human beings. Okay, Genesis 1 applied to the universe, and here it's going to apply to all the human beings. And I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Very important. And it doesn't say that it is only the kings of Judah and Israel. No, notice the plural. Nations, for the third time it is mentioned, and kings shall come from you. 
because the nations will have their kings and even Israel will require a king and so on. And all this is under the umbrella of um, Abraham, or it is supposed to be, and through circumcision, that's why just to jump into the New Testament, as I showed in my commentary on Colossians, Paul presents clearly baptism as a circumcision of the heart. So circumcision does not disappear as people imagine. Because, as I said before, God is interested in the circumcision of the heart. And the only time he enacts circumcision, in other words, the only time he circumcises himself, it is the circumcision of the foreskins of our hearts. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network. 